Oh, hi. Welcome in to the Simon Shore Podcast. Thank you for coming. We are just one week away from the 2023 NFL Draft, and I could not be more excited. This week, we have Robertson Vire, of odds-on favorite on the podcast, to talk about the soon-to-be rookie quarterbacks. We discuss the four presumptive first-round QBs and give our best landing spot for each of them. I want to thank Robertson for coming back onto the show and ask you all to follow him and Odds on Favorite on Twitter. Uh, both handles will be in the episode description, so if you could just click that, go follow them. I'd really appreciate it. And give Odds on Favorite a listen. If you aren't already a listener, uh, these guys, it's it's Robertson and Ben Parker, who's uh, also a friend of the pod, uh, both been on a million times, both have done a ton of work here uh, pre-draft, so make sure you are going to listen uh, to them. Uh, if you haven't already, go back, listen to some of their draft stuff, listen to what they have cooking up uh, here in the next week or so as we get ready for the NFL draft. To begin the episode, I want to touch on a few of the NBA topics that are prevalent during the NBA playoffs here the first yeah two weeks or so. Um, to start, I think we could just go ahead and write off Hawks, Celtics, and Sixers, Nets. Uh, Hawks and, and Nets, thanks for playing. Um, I think we can just call those series toast. Next, shout out to the Grizzlies for coming back in game two after being punched in the mouth on their home floor and beating the Lakers without Ja Morant. Obviously, Morant's health will be an X factor for Memphis for the rest of the series, but good for them to show some grit on their home home court. Uh, we do hope Ja can be back healthy as soon as possible. We'll see. It doesn't sound great from the hand, but hey, man, we, we've seen guys come back, and, and Ja is one of the toughest out there. So we really hope he's back healthy. We get a great series. Um, but shout out to the Grizzlies for winning game two without him. Uh, the Bucks in a similar situa- situation, although one a little less dire in terms of round one opponent. I'm less worried about the Heat in regards to the Bucks than I am about the Grizzlies and Lakers. Um, but the the Bucks were without Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, missing game two with a bruised back, and they were able to win that one after losing the first game to Miami. So that's tied one one. Um, so it's good to see that the Bucs can win without Giannis, but I expect him back uh, pretty soon here. This leads me to my first narrative point I wanted to get to, and it's one that's very popular on, on basketball Twitter, on NBA Twitter right now, so I don't think it's a surprise, but we need to fix this charge call in the NBA and in basketball overall. Uh, simply put, a defender can't be able to just sprint from the weak side of the play, the opposite side of the court, and slide into an offensive player and potentially be rewarded for it, and it's for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, it's unsafe, um, and we're dangling a reward out there for this player to do that. Um, even if they get called for a block, you know, the risk-reward of, okay, I picked up a personal foul on defense, but I stopped a score versus, man, I stopped a score. I got a turnover for my team, and we're going the other way. And the you know reward for, hey, just being called a gritty player. Oh, this guy will do anything for the team. What a hit he took. That's great. The risk-reward of doing that it, it so outweighs for the defender than it does for the offensive player who we are seeing, you know, guys get hurt on this play when it's not done the right way, when you're not, you know, your body's not trained to do it the way that these guys are currently doing in the NBA. The way it's supposed to be is it's meant for, a player who's already in the paint and, and it's a way to, you know, if they're in position to contest the shot, right. But maybe they're going to get up a little bit late, um, you know, for, for a real block attempt. Okay. Well, if I'm there in position and you come and you run right at me, but I'm already there, right. I'm occupying this space and you run into me. That's a charge. You know, uh, if I'm the primary defender, if I'm on the ball 
and, and I'm playing, you know, just tight defense, really good defense, moving my feet, my hands are back, I'm not reaching in, um, you have nowhere to go, and you run through me, that's a foul on you. Those are charges, right? This this play of let me just be defending the shooter in the corner, this offensive player is looking at the guy guarding him, the guy at the rim, uh, he goes up for a layup, and all of a sudden, boom, I sprint into the paint. And I'm there, you know, it's, it's not a play. We shouldn't reward someone for cheaping their way to a call. And finally, and really the thing that's most important for me, I mean, other than the health and safety of the players is just, we need to think about the expectations that we're setting for the younger players that are watching the kids, the middle schoolers, the high schoolers that are watching these games. And they're focusing on the wrong things when it comes to trying to draw a charge. So often people are looking at it when when they're reviewing the play or, or the announcers are talking about it. They're like, oh, are their feet still? Are they set? Um, or, hey, you know, we see the players get up all the time. Kevin Love did this in, uh, in, in I think, the play-in game against the Heat. And uh, he, he, took, he tried to take a charge, and it, it did not work. And he immediately pointed at the restricted area. Like, oh, I was outside of that. I was outside. Or I can't tell you how many kids <laughs> are going to try and draw a charge um, or grow up, try and draw a charge and point at a restricted area and think that that's all it takes, right? Oh, I was outside of that. I did it right. Um, they're, they're focusing on the wrong parts of drawing a charge. They're not learning the fundamentals from watching the NBA game, which, you know, is where a lot of kids learn these things. They're, they're looking at, okay, did, did the feet get set or the outside of the restricted area versus Hey, what's the momentum of the defenders? Their momentum still carrying them side to side or forward, right? That's the thing. You can't be moving side to side or forward. You can only be moving backward if you're going to be moving, which you can't do if you're running from the corner into the paint at full speed. Your body's going to continue moving, and nobody nobody talks about that. Um, or, hey, has that offensive player not only left the left the ground, but have they started their gather, right? If that offensive player is already in the motion of going up for a layup, or a dunk or a shot and you run over and slide in while that's happening, right? That's not the thing we're talking about. And it's impossible to do that, to react to that level at that speed um, when you're running from so far away. And that's because it's not a basketball play. The same thing happened when the rule of verticality became popular with Roy Hibbert and the Pacers. Kids started thinking, oh, if I keep my hands straight up and I, and I look like a, a piece of plywood, everything I do from here is legal. I can hip check you. I can uh, come under a shooter, but say I have my hands up, so I'm I'm vertical. It's okay. No, that's not what the rule of verticality is. We're teaching the wrong things. And I know the NBA isn't where you should be going. We've been talking about this with the traveling violation for 25, 30 years. But it's just it's just one of the things. So many kids are learning from watching the NBA. Um, we need to fix this, and it's putting our players in harm's way. So please, NBA, look at this soon. Fix the charge call. Next, I was all but willing to include Denver and Minnesota, that series, in my uh, toast category from before after the 109-80 to victory by the Denver Nuggets in Game 1. But it's a close game right now. The game, uh, let's see, the Game 2, Denver is currently up by 10 with about 3 minutes left. Uh, it was really close all the way through. It looked, I mean, 10 points in 3 minutes. I mean, in 2023, that could still be done. But um, it looks like Denver might be able to wrap that one up. And to go up 2-0 is huge, but still, Minnesota was in this thing. So we'll see. You know, there, there might be something to that series still. So be on the, we're going to be on the lookout for that. Um, next, I'm going to get to the three most interesting series left in the playoffs for me. And that's Cleveland, New York, Golden State, Sacramento, and uh, LA Clippers versus Phoenix. 
So shout out to my Cavaliers, apparently, uh, for roaring back and beating the Knicks in game two, 107 and 90, after losing a close one in game one. You could tell after that first game that who had been in a real playoff series before and who hadn't, right? Uh, Mobley, Allen, and even Garland did not look like themselves. Um, just didn't look as ready as guys like Brunson and Julius Randle and, and obviously Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but Cleveland bounced back in game two. I'm expecting an awesome series moving forward. Uh, it should continue to be a lot of fun. Uh, next, Warriors and Kings. Um, I still think game one was probably the best game that we've gotten in the playoffs so far. Uh, that was just a, the most fun game to see that atmosphere and see uh, all those players have great games and for it to come down to a Steph Curry open running three-pointer. I mean, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Obviously, right now, the Kings have a 2-0 lead, and the Warriors are going to be playing game three without Draymond, which is tough. Uh, it shouldn't be a huge surprise, at least, that the Kings have won their first two games because the Kings are legit, and they've been defending their tails off, actually, despite the bad defense in the regular season. And Golden State has had their problems all year, so we should not be surprised to this point. But to the Draymond suspension... It's tough, man. It's tough. Joe Dumars of the NBA basically came out and said Draymond's past is a large reason why he's getting a suspension for this game. Um, and that is obviously for the stomp of Demonis Sabonis, who on the play, when you just look at the play by itself, Sabonis is holding Draymond's leg and Draymond's trying to run, you know, down the court. Um, which, you know, you could understand why somebody would retaliate. Maybe the stomp, you know, you could say the stomp was, hey, maybe it's a little a little much for the situation. But if I'm a player, especially a guy in his 30s, and I'm trying to run back on defense and, and have nowhere someone that's laying on the ground can just grab my lower leg and basically yank it so I can't move anywhere, you know, could potentially cause an injury, ankle, knee, uh, anything. Um, so I mean I get it, man. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight after that one, basically. Um, so I don't necessarily blame Draymond, but at the same time, I get what Dumars is saying. You know, you have to take these things into account. If this is a guy who uh, has never had an incident like this, you could say with you know pretty pretty full confidence that hey, this was him just reacting to the severity of this play, especially coming from a player in Sabonis who. You know, the Warriors have been saying, hey, he's pushing us in the back on rebounds. He's elbowing us. He's using the ball to really try and clear his way through guys. So, yeah, we're going to be a little feisty towards him. Um, I I don't disagree with the league, though, in the sense that you can take a player's pass into it because it's Draymond. I get it. He's done antics like this all the time. He's one of the smartest players we've ever had. It wouldn't be too surprising to know that this was actually planned and Draymond just took this as a, as an opportunity with his leg being held. So I get it, but it's tough. I mean, it, it's a real bummer. The series has been fun, even if the Kings are up 2 Oh, um, but Hey, the Warriors can certainly win a game at home against the Kings without Draymond. And then, Hey, get him back for game four, quote unquote rested and, and try to tie this thing up before going back to Sacramento. And finally, Clippers, Suns. Uh, I will say this is the series that is making me uh, really hate coming back to the East Coast because these games are so, so late. Um, by the way, Denver 115, Minnesota 109 with 147 left. Um, it's been tough watching these games late at night, but look, this has been such a fun series. It's a dogfight. Ty Lue is doing everything he can to make up for not having Paul George. Kawhi's being Kawhi. Russ is being, well, Russ. Um, I do think that the Suns are leaving some points on the table, so this could turn very quickly. You know, uh, Kevin Durant could really start finding rhythm, going off. Uh, someone on the bench, I think, 
could be due for a big game soon, or maybe we get a big DeAndre Ayton game. He's been fine. Um, but the talent, I think, should still win out. The Clippers are doing a lot of fun things. When it comes to Russ, I, I wish the announcers didn't pick and choose what traits of Russ are good on what nights and bad on other nights. I think Russ is a good player. I still think he's a good player, but his faults are apparent. You know, turnovers, bad shots, shoots too quickly, um, defense leaves his assignments, run arounds, go, runs around, goes rogue. And it's the same game to game. It's just sometimes the result is different, or sometimes we expect it to be so bad that when a couple of those things go really well, we, you know, get really excited about. It. So one example of this was I think it was in game one, where three possessions in a row, he left his defensive assignment to try and get one of his um steals from behind or, or blocks from behind on Kevin Durant. It was so clear. It was just like he just wanted to send a message to Durant, like, hey man, I still got your number. I'm not scared of you. Meanwhile, he's leaving his assignment. But the announcers are like, oh, look at the hustle. Look at Russ being Russ. He's making plays out there. He's working so hard. Whereas if Durant sees in time and, and gives a skip pass to a wide-open shooter and they nail three, then they'll be like, ah, Russ, he, he's a loose cannon. He's always going rogue. He's always gambling. He can't do that, yada, yada. Let's just be consistent in, in what our evaluation of this is. That's that's what I asked for. But shout-out, Russ. Um, I'll end on this. Kawhi is proving his case for – his load management for for him specifically in this series. Uh, he played in just 52 games this year and has been the punching bag for the anti-load management fans for, for years. But guess what? Kawhi's pretty good, man. Kawhi's pretty good. 34.5 points, 6.5 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals a game on in these first two games on good shooting numbers. And he's playing spectacular defense, just uh, running through and around screens, guarding Durant, guarding, just doing everything for this team to keep him afloat without Paul George. If a 31-year-old Kawhi Leonard tells you, hey, I can only play 50, 60 games a regular season, but I'm going to give you this in the playoffs, after he added, you know, in 2021, tears his ACL, misses all of last year, and the crazy injury in San Antonio, if you have to deal with 50, 60 regular season games to get this in the playoffs, yeah, man, that's worth it. You just, you got to do it. So, um by all means, quiet. Just you do you, man. This has been a fun series. It's been a fun playoff so far. I'm really enjoying it. I will continue to enjoy it. We'll continue to do these kind of weekly playoff updates as we go. But let's get to my conversation with Robertson. Enjoy. All right, everyone. Robertson Vire of Odds on Favorite is here to talk draft quarterbacks draft is just a week away uh, as of the time you are listening to this robertson welcome back in man how's it going um it's going well thanks for having me back uh i'm glad that our arguing and bickering back and forth about these quarterbacks has not swayed you from from bringing me back on so you know i appreciate it i, I was a, a surprise that what was that last week two weeks ago that we didn't end up killing each other but hey <laughs> we, we we did we did great and we're still here we're still we're still friends so Great and to be here. Most surprisingly, the other people on that podcast, when they had to go quiet for about 10 minutes while we just went back and forth, they all stayed on and they all have come on more podcasts since then. So shout out to all those guys. But uh, yes, we are here to talk quarterbacks. Roberts and I have very different views on a few of these guys. Um, if you want really in-depth quarterback stuff for these prospects, go to Odds on Favorite. Uh, Robertson and, and Ben Parker have done 
a lot of work on these guys. They've done a, a multiple episodes on these guys, top fives, top tens, deep dives into dudes that might not even be drafted, all sorts of stuff. But here tonight, Robertson and I are going to talk about the guys who are probably going in the first round, almost, almost definitely going in the first round. They will sneak one or two extra guys in at the end. Um, and we are going to try and talk about the best landing spots for each of these four presumptive first round quarterbacks. So much of the conversations that Robertson and I have been having and, and that are had around the league, around, you know, draft pundits at this time is so much based on, okay, what team are you actually thinking about? Right. Cause here on our side, more of the media side, we can create a big board. We can do a mock draft and we could just say, Hey, you know what, what I always call when Robertson comes on to talk quarterbacks, what's the Madden rating. Okay. If I put all of these guys points in one basket, if I put them all in the computer, who spits out as the highest grade. Okay. That's my quarterback one. Not necessarily. There's so many factors for all this stuff. There's your team, there's your scheme, there's your coaching, there's your ownership, there's your general manager. There's where is your franchise in relation to how competitive they are? Where is your franchise in relation to have they just been sold recently? And are they looking to make a big run at a quarterback? There's so, so much that goes into this. Um, every year when we talk about quarterbacks, you know, we, uh, other than, you know, the, the one-offs, the the Trevor Lawrence's, the Andrew Lux, the Payne Man, those guys that are clearly the number one, but then the rest of the guys in the draft fall in this category, which happens every year where every team could have their, their board mapped out completely differently from the other teams in the draft. So that's what we're going to try to work on tonight. We'll, we'll talk about you know these four guys. We'll determine their best landing spots. And again, it has to be realistic. It has to make sense. So every quarterback will have a different team. All right, we can't just say they're all going to go to the Panthers or all going to go to the Lions, so-and-so. Um, decisions will be made on the organization, the coaching staff, the scheme, the supporting players on the team, O-line, wide receivers, defense, et cetera, uh, the draft slot of the team we're sending them to, as well as the ability to move up or down a draft. Okay, so could this team uh, feasibly trade down? Are they not feeling like they have to keep their high pick? Do they maybe need more picks? So trading down would be good for them. Do they have the draft capital, 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 and and desperateness to hey we got to move up and get this guy? Do they actually have the means to make that happen? We're taking all that into account to figure out the very best spot for these four quarterbacks. Robertson, is there anything you want to say before we get started? No, I'm excited to get into these guys and tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait. Let's start with your. Uh, actually, I don't know if I don't. I th I think I remember you you actually having this guy second, but he's probably the guy. Actually, he's not the guy we disagree on most. We we disagree on a lot of these guys a lot. Um, but I'm excited to talk about this guy because this conversation is going to be very positive. So you'll hear me say a lot of nice things about this guy. It's Bryce Young. All right, Bryce Young right now, over the last I don't know ten days, fourteen days, has slid into the um, favorite in the betting markets to be number one overall. It's who a lot of uh, media types are hearing is the most likely first overall pick to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I have said on this podcast and the Phantom Football Podcast, my thoughts on Bryce Young. Um, I'll get into that a little bit again, but Robertson, just give me your, give me your brief thoughts on Bryce Young and then tell me where you see his best fit being in this draft. So realistic possibility is Carolina obviously mm -hmm. at, at one um, initially when the move was made, everyone was like Stroud, 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 like mm -hmm. we're they're, they're taking Stroud obviously because of the tools, the size and all that. But 
to me, Young and Stroud, they're one and one A. It's really what do you prefer? Do you prefer bigger guy with more upside or do you prefer as surefire of a thing that you're going to get at the position in this cycle of prospects? And to me, that's what Bryce Young is. He's a surefire thing as or as close to it as you're going to get in this draft. Um, he has all the intangibles, right? You don't question his leadership. You don't question question. Like he's clutch in the fourth quarter. He makes mm-hmm. clutch throws. He's played in the big games. He's played well in the big games and most of them. Sometimes he struggled, but he's played well in most of them. Um, he's done well with really successful teams as far as like, you know, the, Alabama's offense having a lot of weapons. And this past year, he succeeded when they didn't have as many weapons and he had to kind of put the team on his back, improvise. Improvisation is one of, if not his most impressive trait that he has, which in today's game is very important, especially at his size of 5'9", maybe. Um, That's very important for him. Uh, I've often compared Young and Stroud to where they both have very adequate arm strength. Stroud has more of a cannon. Young has more of a laser. It's more of like a Drew Brees type of arm strength where it's it's plenty strong, but like it's he's not going to be bombing it 70 yards downfield. Like he can fire it in there. It looks like a laser, but it's not the cannon that Stroud has. Both are perfectly fine in today's NFL. Um, that is why I have Stroud or sorry, not, not Stroud. That's why I have Young above Stroud. And then I think that Young fits with what the Panthers want to do. The Panthers have pretty much overhauled their offense. They have Frank Reich now. Uh, they have a decent amount of weapons. I think I've said to you, I don't know if it was on air or off air. I'm getting confused with the conversation we've been having, what it's on air, what's not. But they don't have an impressive offense, but where we were at two months ago, it's a middle-of-the-pack offense with a decent quarterback at, at the helm. And I think that's what Bryce Young can be. I think Frank Reich is excited to finally work with a young quarterback and not a retread of any sorts. And you have Andy Dalton there, so there's really no pressure on Young to produce immediately. He doesn't need to win the job right out of camp. Um, They have Thielen now. They have Sanders. uh, They got DJ Chark. They have these weapons now that are, and I didn't they get, they signed um, Hayden Hurst. Yes. Hayden Hurst. So Mm -hmm. again, they don't have a number one receiver yet. In my opinion, I don't, Thielen's days of a number one receiver, I don't think ever even existed, to be co- completely honest with you. I'd like to see what DJ, DJ Chark has. They need a number one receiver probably in the second round. Young would fit in there. And he's is he going to have a fantastic season? Probably not. But he's going to have a good enough season that's going to put him in an offensive rookie of the year conversation. And if he starts a lot of games, he's probably going to have Panthers and playoff contention and a very weak NFC South. And see, that's also the thing, the situation in the in the South. You have Desmond Ritter, you have Derek Carr, and you have Baker Mayfield. The biggest hurdle is around the 12th to 14th best quarterback. And you could argue when it's all said and done before the season starts that the Saints aren't that much more talented than the Panthers. Like, there is a difference there, but it's not a massive gap. So... Yes, does the does the potential of Stroud get you to want to take him more also with the size than Young? 
I don't think it's at this point, the way the NFC South is that that's necessary. I would rather have the surefire thing if I'm the Panthers. And again, nothing's surefire in this league, but in terms of this class, Bryce Young to me is the surefire pick. Where are you sending them? Where's your best fit? Is to it me, Carolina? It is Carolina for is me Carolina. because it's, I, I don't, if, if Carolina chooses Stroud, it's not a bad pick. It's not, but and outside of that, we can get into. I mean, there would be there would be calls to Houston. I mean, Houston would take them. I don't think that's the best fit. Um, if I'm like, if I'm Atlanta and I can try to give them a Godfather offer and try to get Bryce Young, like if Stroud goes one, I'm doing everything I can. I think the Raiders would call. I don't think that that's the best situation. To me, best situation outside of the Panthers, that's attainable would be the Lions, but I don't think that that's going to happen. So I think the most realistic scenario is him going one, and then outside of that, it's he's not getting past the Texans. I think the Texans take young. So it, it, it gets a little sticky after that because I don't see many teams in the top 10 that are going to have them want to move up that far to, to get him, and I don't think the Texans are going to take that with him sitting there. So as far as realistic fit and realistic possibility, to me, it's the Panthers and then, unfortunately, the Texans. So for your analysis on Young, I agree with everything you said. Uh, the the football character, the leadership, the work ethic, all of that is there. The extend the play, magic making, uh, dime dropping, kind of just like fun. Um highlight reel type of plays that is all there uh accuracy in that short to intermediate to, to mid um uh, ability is there that clutch factor that fourth quarter is there the toughness is there all that is there which is why all this time i've been saying He's an awesome freaking quarterback man you would you would feel so good about him if you're a fan of a team or coach of a team saying that's my that's the quarterback of my team and it, it was always going to come down to, is this guy on our board or is he not? And if he is on someone's board, he's probably number one on everybody's board. Or the size and the outlierness of it and the injury risk factor of it scare you off. You know, teams have to be seeing what's happening with Kyler Murray in Arizona right now, not just the off the field stuff and, and how he works with the coaching staff and other players and all of that but just the idea of all the talent in the world. And this guy gets banged up every year by December. Um, and that's why I wouldn't take Bryce Young in this draft. And that's why I do think there's a chance that a team could get up to three for him. Or let's even say that the Texans are the smoke screen is real, right? That they're sending out there that they're, uh, they're you know, we're, we won't take a quarterback or, you know, right now it's actually kind of, if it's not Bryce young, they, they won't take one, but let's just say the, the quarterback thing is real for them. You know, they only got one guy. If he goes one, they're moving down and, and maybe it's Stroud. So I have a different team for, for Bryce young as a fit. Um, and it's a team you mentioned it's because I do think there's a chance he either goes to three and it's a small chance. It's like a 2% chance, or this team can get up to two and get him if he's there. And I did put the Detroit Lions, um, yeah. and that is for all the, the obvious reasons, right? Um, one thing that you would think would deter them 
that I kind of wrote them off immediately in my head, but then I started thinking about it was you would think Dan Campbell would be all about like, ah, size, big guys, oh, football players, right? Kind of like Mike Vrabelish. And that's not the case. Look at him in, in Brad, Brad Holmes's uh, drafts these last two years for Detroit. Um, they're not taking a bunch of small guys by any means, but they don't have to be big guys. Even Aiden Hutchinson, you know, he has short arms. You know, he's tall. He has short arms. Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker, he's like, he looks like me out there sometimes. <laughs> um, Kirby Joseph is a like a very average size safety. Josh Pascal, below average size uh, edge rusher. Um, they're, it, it's not necessary for them. And it, what they what they value is gamers, is just toughness, is just guys that are going to go out there and ball. And that's exactly what Bryce Young does. Um, in fact, they probably even prefer the fact that in spite of the fact that he's not very big, he's going to go out there and he's going to take it and he's going to throw the ball. Uh, I think they would love Bryce Young. I think they have the offensive line to protect Bryce Young better than any of these other teams are at this point, really. Um and that's both from a tackle perspective, right? So he's not going to get creamed off the edge right away every single play. And it's also from the interior perspective. So he's going to have as much room in the pocket as he needs with a guy like Frank Ragnow being a center. There's a, and the uh, Jameson Williams, wide receiver. They're one magical season together at Alabama. He's there. Um, and I do think Detroit with the extra pick this year from the Rams, obviously. So they have two first round picks. Uh, I think they have two second round picks as well. Um, they they have ammo to go up there to two or three if they really really want to. So I could see that being the case. Um, a couple other things I thought of for Detroit. Let's remember that Dan Campbell spent five years and as, as an assistant in New Orleans. Who was the quarterback there? Drew Brees, another shorter quarterback that literally had to be on his tiptoes and crane his neck to see above his his offensive line. Dan Campbell's going to be able to work with that. He, it's not something that's rare to him. Dan Campbell's an offensive-minded guy. Let's not forget that either. We see his personality, and we think he, he was a defensive end or a linebacker. Now he's as close to that as you can get on offense as a tight end. Basically, those guys are crazy. But still, um, he, it would be such a good fit. And, and that offensive infrastructure is there with uh, Ben Johnson, with uh, who, who's your guy? Mark Brunel, quarterback's coach. Yeah. Um, They've got they and just the, the wide receivers. There's there's so much to like there for Detroit that I think that would really be the ideal place for Bryce Young to go. The other team that I I was heavily considering though was the Panthers for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, it's a good offensive line. It's a good supporting cast. Um, it's a it's a good defense. So there's a lot there that that works. And and a lot of what you said, I think. It, is exactly along the lines of what I was saying. I just think there's a better fit for the Panthers in this draft, um, which shouldn't surprise you based on what I've been saying about quarterbacks this whole time. Uh, the one team uh, of this list of, of who I have as these quarterback needy teams, it'll be interesting to see how many of these teams we hit that I, the one team that I completely eliminated right away uh, was the Seattle Seahawks, because I was thinking about it as I was looking, I was like, you know, Russell Wilson, he was shorter. He did. Okay. He took a lot of sacks. And then I went and looked it up and Geno Smith took like 46 sacks this year, like the fourth most, which is crazy because we think about how good those rookie tackles were, right? Well, the interior of that line is just a mess and it, it's getting even worse now. Um, I found this stat while I was doing this because I was, I was thinking about all those uh, sacks they give up. Uh, let's see. 
over the last three seasons, so since the 2020 season, the Seahawks have given up the fourth most sacks to their quarterback, 140, only behind the Bears, the Bengals, and the Commanders. That's tough. That's real. That, yeah. That's that's real tough. Because in your head, you always blame Russell Wilson, right? You're like, oh, he just holds on. But well, it happened to Geno too. So, uh, don't send Bryce Young to Seattle. I do not need that man taking you know 35 sacks in his first eight games and just being <laughs> just being done from there. Um, what what are what are your you know, your last thoughts on Bryce Young there? So, um, I totally agree with um the points that you made about the Lions. I'd also like to add that. If the Lions do move up to three, they probably don't have to give up eighteen. Like, oh, I yeah. if if I if I'm the Lions, I give up everything else but eighteen, and mm-hmm. I take Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Josh Downs, whoever you want, like whatever whatever guy you want at eighteen to give Bryce Young or Jared Goff for that matter to just kind of go all in in a wide open NFC. Uh, one team I thought of while you were talking was, and I, it, it's not realistic, but man, it just makes so much sense if they would be able to pull it off. And honestly, I wouldn't really care if I'm them, what I would have to give up to get him. And that would be the New York Jets. Um, mm-hmm. You you add Bryce Young to this team, and it's gonna he's gonna cost a lot more to get to move up from thirteen to yeah to two or three. Two is gonna be a lot more than three. But if you did do that, yeah, you're mortgaging your future on this guy who's 5'9". But at the same time, the offense is ready. The offensive line still needs work, but it's good enough to where, and your weapons are good enough to where you don't have to hold on to the ball for three, four, five seconds. You can just plant and go. You have a good running game, which helps you, which helps play action. He's Bryce Young is great on the move. They have a great defense, so they can pl- they can pretty much just take the ball out of Young's hands entirely if they wanted to. They have a couple of good running backs. They have a solid defense. Bryce Young might average in that scenario like 160 yards passing per game and like maybe a touchdown, and that's just fine because they're going to win 10 games doing that. So it's unrealistic in, that's, in, in that standpoint of what they'd have to give up and they wouldn't do it considering what they won't give up for Aaron Rodgers. But man, that just would fit so perfect. Adding a young quarterback to a to a young team, just have them all mature at the same time. And yeah, it's going to be expensive when time comes, but it would just be perfect, in my opinion. Like that part of it would be perfect. Once he started playing, Jet fans would love him, just like adore. He would eat up New York. Um, until then, they'd all be having some some Zach Wilson flashbacks. Uh, he's so much better than Zach Wilson, but just the idea of like the undersized guy who makes all these crazy off-platform throws, extends the plays, does all that stuff. They'd be like, "Okay, we just saw this. We're nervous. We're nervous." But once he started playing, I mean, he plays. He's nothing like Zach Wilson, obviously. But it just what made me think of it. Um, the Trey Lance trade would be very comparable because that was from twelve to three. So if this is thirteen to three or thirteen to two, um, three first-round picks and a third-round pick probably have to be a little bit more now just because it, that's already happened. So call it three firsts and a second and like a fourth, maybe something like that. Um, yeah. But if you're looking at trading a second, a conditional first and a conditional other day two pick for Rogers anyways, then 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would not hate it. They have to fix. They have to figure out if Mackay Becton is playing tackle or not to to do that. Um, all right, before we start talking about the Jets' offensive line, because we certainly could do that, <laughs> let's go to this next guy. I've already kind of hinted at where where I'm going, but talk about C.J. Stroud. You, well, you you talked about Stroud a little bit, but go ahead and anything you want to say about Stroud, and then where'd you put him? Um, pretty much everything I said about Bryce Young applies to C.J. Stroud. Also, that's what makes this so hard, is because. Outside of arm strength and maybe consistency a little bit, and we're like splitting hairs here. Like, in my opinion, Young was slightly more consistent than Stroud was, but again, that's like absolutely splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. Um, Stroud is probably the slightly more talented guy. He has more arm strength. Mm-hmm. We didn't see him as mobile as as Bryce Young, but I guarantee you, he's just as mobile. He's bigger. Um, my only reservations are that he played with maybe like five first round receivers mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. time at Ohio state. And there's also that Ohio state bias on quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Justin Fields is the most successful quarterback currently mm-hmm. of the past 10 years from Ohio state. And let's be honest, he's at the current moment, he is like twenties in terms of quarterback ranking. Mm. So there is that bias there. Like, okay, here we go again with Ohio State quarterbacks that just have a fantastic receivers and potentially three first-round picks on the offensive line or two mm-hmm. first-round picks. So it it's hard to evaluate him because of that. But at the same time, all the intangibles are there. All of the, 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 the on-field talent is there. He's a leader. He's He is clutch. We've seen it. I mean, not in the big games until the, his last year, but – once you show it, then we know you can do it. It's it's that yep. kind of thing. So yep. that that part I'm not worried about really with him. In terms of fit, and I, I don't want to say it again, but if I'm Detroit Lions and Young goes one and Texans just in these scenarios, they're skipping out on quarterback, I would give up more or I'd be more inclined to trade up for C.J. Stroud than I would be Bryce Young because of the size factor and because of mm-hmm. all those reasons that you listed with Campbell. Yeah. Outside of Detroit, because I don't want to get too far into them, I would feel like Seattle would be mm-hmm. willing to do that. Not for Young, for those reasons that you listed um, for Young, but because Gino, this is essentially a one-year deal for Gino. It, it could be two years, and it's not going to hurt them that much. But in, when you have a guy like Stroud who can come in and just sit for a year, there's absolutely zero pressure on him. You can take the year to just kind of rebuild the the middle of the offensive line, get him another weapon or two. Hi again. Shut up, Siri. Um, to to get him to further improve the defense, then you can insert him in twenty twenty four and be fine. Now, if I'm CJ Stroud, do I, am I thrilled about sitting year one? Probably not. And Seattle fans are probably not going to be thrilled about him sitting either. But I think that would be, as terms of realistic people that are going to trade up to get him, I think that would be the best fit for him. Now, again, we're getting into the scenario where, okay, if anyone can now trade up to three and pay an astronomical price, like who who are we thinking here? Again, possibly the Jets. If And Bill Belichick would never do this. But if I'm New England, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, here, take Mac Jones, take, <laughs> take Bailey Zappi, take everything. 
Like if I'm running them, <laughs> right, and I would try, and that would be if Stroud would have. I mean, they're not trading up to three. Like let's be honest here, they're yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. But that team, though, I would mm-hmm. like. They need weapons. They obviously need weapons. But something about me likes Stroud, like on that on that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be also a good fit. Again, it's totally unrealistic, but um. Again, I said Young and Stroud are one and one A. It's just whatever you prefer. I'm not going to argue with you that you like Stroud over Young. I it's just a personal preference. I would rather have Young over Stroud. Yeah. So you you went with Detroit for Stroud, or no? You went with Seattle, <laughs> Seattle, Seattle. Yeah, I went with Seattle. Detroit would be my number one for him. Like I would, in terms of fit for these guys, like I would rather put Young somewhere else in Carolina. I would put mm-hmm. Stroud in Detroit, but if if we're not we're not going to talk Detroit all the time, and my second team for him would be Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that. Um, I I have Seattle on this list for somebody else as well. Uh, so I I see a lot of what you're talking about. I did Carolina for Stroud. Um, it's who you know, like you said, that's who made the most sense to go up and trade for. You know, all those nice things we said about Bryce Young. You hit the nail on the head. That's a lot to trade up for it's one thing to be one or two and take Bryce Young it's another thing to say we're going to send our next two first round picks our good wide receiver good young wide receiver and a second round pick to go get him right that's a lot when there is that risk of health um so Carolina is who I have for Stroud and it's not just because Frank Reich seems to have a history with tall quarterbacks I like him for Frank Reich specifically because Reich has a history with pocket passing quarterbacks, guys who operate within the pocket. You know, take away Carson Wentz because that one was was kind of a unique scenario, especially in, in Indianapolis. But with Philly, kind of fell to them. But he had a lot of that um, in the pocket stuff as well. But specifically, going all the way back to his early time with the Colts and, and Manning, but but specifically Philip Rivers, um, just that ability to stand tall and operate in the pocket and make. All the throws you talk about Stroud's arm, he can make all of these throws. And, you know, in terms of first overall pick, second overall pick, if you're at this point trying to get a guy who can compete with the Patrick Mahomeses of the world, um, and I and I close my eyes, I'm like, who can really generate 30 points? Who can really, you know, sit back there and and get you down the field in two plays for with a touchdown? I, I like Stroud's arm better for that, but again, I, I still like everything about Bryce Young. Um, but I went with Carolina just because, you know, obviously all those all those uh, things we talked about earlier, good offensive line, good skill guys, good defense, they're a great place for a rookie quarterback to fall into just because, yeah, they don't have any top, top-end talent at this point. You know, we think Ikiakuanu is going to get there. Taylor Moon's a very good right tackle, but everybody's just good. So you're going to get a good evaluation on your rookie and your rookie's going to, going to know he's going to get a good self-evaluation. Okay. If I miss this throw, I know I missed it because I know Thielen knows where to be. Right. I know he didn't break the route off in the wrong place, or if he did, he'll know it and he'll say, Hey, I broke that off in the wrong place. You know, that sort of thing. I think that's so key for a rookie instead of having some other 22 year old wide receiver who's in his second year, and you're both trying to figure this whole thing out, and you're both trying to stay in good graces with the coaching staff and get your second contract and all this stuff, and then you end up yelling at each other and all these. He's walking into a very good situation, and that's the case for any of these guys. Specifically, I just liked him and Reich together because of Reich's 
um, affinity for pocket passers. And that's what Stroud is. You said, you know, he didn't always show his mobility, whereas Bryce Young wants to get in there and he wants to run around and do a bunch of things. I'm sure Reich isn't opposed to that, but just based on what he's done, I would think you would prefer somebody just that would stand in the pocket more. Um, One sneaky team I thought of for CJ Stroud was Vegas Um, for the same reason kind of that I'm thinking of Reich. And I think the same reason why you say you could see him with the Patriots. And it's just, I could see Josh McDaniels working with him for, for, from a pocket passing standpoint, you know, obviously all those years with Tom Brady, the year with Mac Jones, just a, a good, smart quarterback operating in the pocket. You know, I could also see with Vegas, but not only is it the best fit for the play team, but also the player. I don't want to send anybody to Vegas right now, man. They're, they're such a mess. So I did not do that to see your shot. So I have Shroud to Carolina. Uh, you have Shroud to Seattle. Um, anything else on CJ Stroud for you? Um, you bring up a good point as far as Reich with uh, the pocket passers and, you know, a guy that's able to make all the throws. CJ Stroud can throw, can, can throw a laser of a pass like 30, 40 yards downfield off his back foot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just crazy some of the throws that he can make it. I mean, it, it's insane. Um, there was one thing I needed to say, and I don't remember it now. So we're going to move on now. <laughs> Perfect. All <laughs> oh, right, let's it was hit... Vegas. It was Vegas. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. send anyone to Vegas. No, but no, no, it, no. it is situationally, it makes sense with Josh McDaniels that he was able to do well, or Mac Jones was able to do well with him yeah. kind of as the offensive coordinator. And it's another situation like it would be in Seattle where Stroud doesn't need to perform right away because Jimmy G is right there. Now, again, Vegas, they're – they're going to be impatient and Jimmy G would probably get benched if he doesn't get injured first by like week three or four, if they're not winning every single game, like he was Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. That's a very unfair comparison. That just is what it is, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to send anyone to Vegas. No, 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 no. Let Jimmy G take, take the burn of it this year and, and see what happens next year. All right, let's hit the next guy on our list. It is Anthony Richardson. This is probably the guy we disagree on the most. Not not so much Bryce Young, because as a player, I see all you see with Bryce Young. But let's talk Anthony Richardson. Give me your give me your quick take on him, and then give me your best fit. He has generational talent. Like this is a guy that you will have very rare opportunities to take, but the tape does not reflect any of that. Right. So it's all tools. It's all talent. And we've seen it with guys that, you know what, we're going to take this guy. He's very raw. He has a lot of talent and we're just going to figure it out later. Really, the only recent example I can think of where that has worked out is Patrick Mahomes. And he did not go in the top five. He went, what was it, like 12th? And I think so. Kansas, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kansas City had to have, like, you know, the, the foresight to to see that that potential there, but even then, I don't think they thought that what they were getting was this. Um, and even then, like it, it's one of the scenarios that, like even in that draft, none of us thought that Patrick Mahomes was going to go that high or even in the first round. Some of us. So Anthony Richardson, he is he runs like a four four forty, which is very impressive, and he's a big guy. He's like six five two forty. He's a a slightly smaller Cam Newton with a much better arm than Cam had. But, okay, if your comp is Cam Newton, what was Cam Newton? He was an MVP for one year and was pretty average for all the other years of his career. Like, good to average. 
essentially. That was his career. Do I really want to take that chance with him in the top five? No, I don't. Given the other situation, like if we're just going by those situations, you can look at Seattle where, again, for those same reasons, Gino's there. There's no pressure on him. Seattle can continue to build. And there's, if Richardson, Richardson shouldn't even see the field and except for in like relief duty in the fourth quarter. And, you know, if, if a guy gets injured, you know, just throw him out there for a couple plays, just have him hand the ball off a few times. Like you don't want him throwing much at all. Then you look at Vegas. It's kind of the same reasons we just listed. Jimmy G's there to take the brunt of it. He and Anthony Richardson really shouldn't shouldn't see the field. But again, I don't feel like that's the right situation for him there either. It's hard to place him because he's so raw. You need a veteran in front of him. And I just don't know where he fits in most. Because, like I said, Seattle and Vegas are there in the top seven. I don't think that he should go there that high. So it's hard for me to place him. It's also hard for me to evaluate him. He would have greatly benefited from another year. But he hasn't. So if I had to put him somewhere, I'd probably put him in, in Seattle. I don't want to put him in Seattle, though, because I don't think Seattle wants to spend the number five pick on him. I could be wrong, but I, I just I don't see anywhere else except for if maybe he starts falling, I got a team like Tampa Bay is just enamored with him and they have Baker Mayfield there and they can just trade up to, to get him. Or maybe he falls all the way there again. I don't think that's happening. And, but for me, again, that situation too, the Buccaneers have a lot of holes and to, to fix themselves. So to me, that doesn't make sense. So it's hard to place him in my opinion. Did you end up placing him somewhere? No, not really, because I, I don't know. I don't know where to put. Like, no, really, I don't know where to put. Like, okay, if you and Ben both have this skill, you you have you have the Kyrie Irving skill uh, of very long answer with very good words all strung together nicely, and then you look back at your notebook and you're like, he didn't answer the dang question. What the heck? <laughs> What's going on here? I'm I'm training to be a politician. Wow. Okay. Very good. Very good. There we well, go. if we if we want to go by you are you are in Maryland. Uh, anytime yeah, I can true. reference the wire on this podcast, I do. So uh, just <laughs> we all remember how that worked out. It, it, yes, but if we want to use your logic, the Panthers would make sense, but taking him number one would baffle me. But a, an offense where you know the guy, the coach can use him. The offense they have the veterans around him to where they know what exactly what mistakes he's making. That makes sense, but using the number one pick to do that doesn't. If I have to place him somewhere, I will place him in Seattle, but I don't like I, I just don't like the fit there in terms of where he's being taken. And you put Stroud in Seattle, didn't you? No, I would rather have Stroud in Detroit if he's a if it's 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 confusing now. Because <laughs> I put I put You're young compounding there. on yourself. I'm compounding on myself. I put Here young, you I put young in Carolina, but like mm -hmm. my my team, if Stroud were to go one, I think Detroit would trade up for young. I think Detroit would be more willing to trade up if Stroud fell, like and, and young goes one. So I'd rather see Stroud in Detroit. So 
Bryce Young is Carolina. CJ Stroud is Detroit. Anthony Richardson, if I have to put him somewhere, is in Seattle. If it makes you feel better, you can just say it's with the 20th pick. Now, that's not going to happen. He's not no. going to get down there. Um, Robertson, other than your your analysis of the player, you and I have agreed on something when it comes to Anthony Richardson. I have him with the Seattle Seahawks as well. Uh, remember that stat I, uh, I I mentioned about Seattle and, and how often their quarterbacks get sacked, everybody uh, fourth most sacks. Uh, mm-hmm. to the Seattle quarterback over the last three seasons. Well, Anthony Richardson not only has the size to take hits, the athleticism to avoid hits just in terms of could literally just break the pocket and run away. Uh, he, he had like a 4% sack rate this season in college. And, and the Florida offensive line, you know from watching, is not good. So he was under he was under a lot of pressure. And that's not just getting out and scrambling. He can maneuver in the pocket a little bit. Um, some, some of the best tape grinders out there and i'll reference this one in particular nate tice of the athletic who's worked uh for true media he's uh so he's a he's a stat head he has worked for multiple teams as a scout in the nfl he was also a college quarterback um he gave a breakdown of anthony richardson where he said you know his mechanics for throwing still need plenty of work but his ability to read the game and manage the game from the quarterback position is where you would expect a, an early first round pick to be. You can see him checking the line. You can see him calling things out, audible in plays, communicating with his team. Those are the things that I think early on in the process for me, reading the initial scouting reports and, and just watching the handful of things at the beginning on a surface level was like, okay, he's a raw player, i.e. he's not. he needs work seeing the game, blah, blah, blah. So that stuff, knowing that that stuff is is further along than we thought, makes me feel better about it um i have said i I think on this podcast before i would take richardson obviously uh, ahead of bryce young um i would take him literally second overall if i was the houston texans and and shroud went one um i would take shroud over him for that ability to play right away but i have seattle as anthony richardson's best fit because i think him with Pete Carroll would just be an incredible personality matchup. I think that whatever they have to do with the offensive line would be fine. You mentioned getting a veteran in front of them. Geno Smith is obviously there for basically as long as they need him to be. Um, and there are weapons there, right? The, the problem with, like for Bryce Young going there, not only the, the hits and the sacks he could take, but DK Metcalf hasn't really progressed past like a, just a really good deep threat and, and fly routes and deep crosser stuff like that. You know, I don't know if Bryce Young's going to be able to fully take advantage of that. Anthony Richardson can. I mean, that kid, you know, he could just drop back and, and launch it, and DK Metcalf is going to find a way to make a play on it. Um, there's a good running game there, and there always is a good running game there, so you know you can rely on that. Um. And I just I like that coaching staff for him, and I just like the style of play. Even if they were just doing the Russell Wilson things, um, if you want to revert all the way back, hey, hold on to this ball and see if you can you know hit a moonshot. Okay, sounds good. Oh, and by the way, I I'm 6'4", 235 pounds, and run a four four. So if I need to do that, I can do that too. Um, I would really like Richardson in Seattle, and I think it that could be, hey, if he if he does fall into the laps at five. Or if they want to trade up just a, a little bit and, and jump the Colts and take him a three, I think that's perfectly feasible and realistic, almost likely. And, um, you know, 
not not a crazy thing to do if you were gonna give him a draft grade at the end of round one. So I I, I like that one. I know you came to it in duress, um, but but I came to it very excitedly and and I really like it. I will give him one thing, and I think you you started to allude to it is that one thing that some just quarterbacks either have it or they don't is pocket presence and their ability to feel pressure. I will give him that in everything that I saw. He might make the, a terrible throw or the wrong read, but he is able to sense pressure, to feel pressure, and evade it. That is one of his strong suits. So bad offensive lines don't bother me as much in his case. So we can send him to a bad offensive line. And, of course, he's going to suffer a little bit from it, but not as much as a young who gets kind of rattled at times or a Stroud who also not as much as young, but still kind of throws him off a little bit. And just not that same mobility for sure. So no, I like that no. one for, for Richardson. Um, all right, shall we, shall we get to number four? On our, I'd rather on our not. List here. <laughs> I'd rather not, but let's do That's it. That's been the Simon Short podcast. Uh, thank you. All for listening. <laughs> um, nope. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him. Will Levis quarterback, big blue nation, Kentucky. What do you got on Will Levis? And where are you sending him? Is your hang on? Wait, let me guess your joke before we. Are you sending him to the XFL? Is that where you're sending him? Um, the Pittsburgh Mauders, Marauders, whoever they are, Maulers. I don't know. Yeah, it's something. Um, not this year, but next year. Yeah, I'll send him to the XFL. Uh, he'll get his one year, like his first year rookie contract, and then he'll like post like a mirror pick that's a little too low, and then he'll get sent to the XFL. Um. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> oh no, oh no. So, I got Vegas on this one. Uh, you know, perfect situation is gonna be sitting mm. behind Jimmy G, decent amount of weapons, but you're gonna say, Robertson, we've been talking about Vegas. Well, my caveat here is that he's not going to Vegas at number seven, he's going to Vegas in the second round because. A smart organization will not spend a top 10 pick on this quarterback. There are just too many red flags. He, let's start with Pollard. He has good size. He has probably maybe the best arm in this class. It rivals Richardson's arm, which is just an absolute cannon. I mean, like this dude can probably throw 80 yards on one leg. Like he, he has the arm to do it. Um, He has the legs to move in the pocket when he feels it. And he has somewhat, I don't even want to call it, but he has straight line speed, I guess, if we want to call it that. There's something. There, there's, <laughs> he can move forward well. Yes, he can move forward, <laughs> period. Like, he can move forward. <laughs> he can, he can indeed move forward. It, and it's not that he's slow or anything. He's just like he's not an athlete, I guess. Like he's not like one of the, he's not very athletic. He's more likely to run through a defender than run past him or around him. Yes, and he cannot. I think I've tried. I've, I've seen him try to juke out a defender, and I think he ended up on the ground. Um, Is it the Baker juke? Is it the Baker juke? I I don't remember exactly, <laughs> but there was a, like one or two times where he tried to give like a shoulder fake, and like I think he just fell down. <laughs> So, and he's within like, within like 
five to 15 yards, he's like deadly accurate. But anything past that, you have no idea what's going to happen. So based on that, what can you do with this guy? Can you train him to be more consistent? I mean, you would hope so. Um, I mean, that's that's ideal. But the inconsistency, I think he's also a five-year starter. And he's just now being considered to be a a top a top pick in the draft. I think that's kind of alarming. I don't think anyone heard of this guy before this this past college football season. And he did. I think it was this past season he had an injury, so that kind of skewed things a little mm-hmm. bit. And everyone's saying, "Oh, look at the twenty one tape." Mm, the twenty one tape really isn't that impressive. And if he was so dang good in twenty one, then why didn't he come out in? a draft class that, you know, had Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, where all oh, they're going to be great quarterbacks, but they weren't taken last in last year's draft. Kenny Pickett was the only one at 20, I think. So, I mean, he would have been at that point, if he, if his tape was so dang great, then he would have been a top 10 pick or he would have been at the end of the first round guy with Kenny Pickett. I would, I would not draft him in the first round. Like I would stay away from him. I wouldn't even have him on my first round board. Um, second round, or if you if you want to trade up, if a team wants to trade up to get him, like just to get that fifth year, that would be fine. Like at 31 with the Chiefs, if they don't mind trading back, I'd be fine with that. But in terms of top 10 pick, I don't think he's worthy. Vegas is the best fit for him. He's perfect for Vegas. He's probably going to be a dis- dysfunctional guy. And that's perfect for for Vegas. So um, that's that's the best fit. And also, if there is a chance that he can develop, which I don't think that there is, if there's a chance that he can develop, I think Jimmy G can help him, and that the offense is pretty decent. And the coach that we've already talked about that can probably do a really good job developing him. If there's anything there, yeah, Levis, um is definitely the the fourth guy I have on my board. Um the 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 feel, the awareness both in the pocket and, and just literally throwing the ball and, and knowing where to go and, and what to do and when to do it. Um definitely isn't great. I will say the one thing I, I know we were we were being silly with the like Vegas and, and the fit and the personality things, but this guy is a worker. He's gonna go in there and and the team is going to love him. The coaches are going to love him. They're not going to love him by, you know, year three if he's the starter for three years and the same receivers are getting passes, you know, thrown inaccurately to them. By then, they're not going to like. But personality-wise, it's going to be actually a little like Jimmy G, right? In San Francisco, those guys love Jimmy G, man. And yeah. he never was or never needed to be a top-10 quarterback for them to do that. I think that's the kind of guy Will Levis is going to be. I think he's going to walk in and, and the locker room is going to love him and, and the coaches and the players. Um, I do think there are positive traits. Uh, tough as all get out for sure. He can make all the throws. He has the arm to make all the throws. Like you said, mobile enough, athletic enough to move around and, and do some things. And again, endearing himself to his teammates, he's going to lower his shoulder on some linemen at the goal line at some point, And everyone's going to love it. And it's going to be fun. And he's going to flex and puff his chest. Um, but just in terms of do I see him turning into a, a real NFL quarterback? No. You know, uh, 
we're doing all this projection with Anthony Richardson because we've seen some good things in his one year. But you mentioned it. Levis was a five-year college player who for three years, I think, at Penn State couldn't win the starting job. Goes to Kentucky, um, has a, a good 2021, like you said. I don't know why he didn't come out then. Um, comes back in 2022, is injured, everything else you said. So I have him. I, I stayed true to the exercise and cheat like you did. Um, although I'm just going to say that you're, you're saying him at seven. But I went with Atlanta at eight um for a couple reasons one they run the ball a lot <laughs> so he can he can hand the ball off to whoever whoever they have uh running the ball this year so that's that's a good fit um he, he'd have big targets to throw to so some of those deep inaccurate passes Kyle Pitts Drake London those guys are jump ball guys that that would work um Atlanta because they could also trade back to take him right that pick at eight Someone could want to jump into the end of that top 10 to get one of the corners or one of the tackles mm -hmm. uh, before those guys are gone. So someone could want to get a Devon Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez or Paris Johnson or Project Jones. Someone could want to trade up into that spot. And let's say they're at 14, 15, 16, something like that. Um, they could take Levis there. And, you know, the, the easiest comparison, the easiest thing to say is Arthur Smith. Um, who did Arthur Smith? Coach for a long time in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. Who are the best qualities of Will Levis comparable to? Ryan Tannehill. Big, strong, tough, will stand in the pocket, make all the throws, some athleticism, goal line, um, goal line weapon with his legs. Um, and I, I know Desmond Ritter isn't the guy that we're talking about in the likes of Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Jimmy G, of sitting behind and playing behind, even though I do like Ritter. But it's a guy that's the incumbent starter, essentially, that the team likes, that they can say, this is the guy that's going to start. Like you said, um, doesn't have to win the job right away. But also not a guy where it's like he could win the job, right? It's not a definite that he's going to be coming off the bench like Richardson would in Seattle. But it's a guy that he could compete with that's also young, that has some of the same traits. And Atlanta could want to let start for six games before Levis ends up becoming the starter. So I went with Atlanta for all those reasons, but like you, it's not because there, it, any of it was a huge vote of confidence for, for one Will Levis. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I do, I do understand why Atlanta, the, the need there is quarterback, but you, yeah. you, you have Desmond Ritter there who you knew was raw. You knew was coming in. It's like, not as to the same extent, but he had the traits like Anthony Richardson has the traits where you know he's raw coming in. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the arm, and who could turn into something big in this in this league if he pans out. Like we're talking like really high potential. Why are you bailing on him already? Like this is kind of goes back to our conversation that we had. You need to give these quarterbacks time, especially when you know when you draft them that they're not going to be anything right away. So that kind of upsets me. Also, they have Taylor Heineke. You don't need another quarterback. <laughs> and just <laughs> um, there's a, there's a Taylor Heineke fathead on, on Robertson's wall behind him. Um, and just to be clear, listen to this podcast. No, I love Desmond Ritter. I wanted Pittsburgh to take him last year. I was, I was fully on the Desmond Ritter train. Um, I would not do this, but <laughs> just thinking about a team that could potentially look at quarterback 
and ostensibly like from a investment standpoint, you paid Heineke a good backup contract, um, but not anything that says he is definitely the starter. And Desmond Ritter, for as much as I like him and you like him, is a third round pick who wasn't overly impressive in his X number of games as a starter last year. Again, you and me see that as a different way from what it says on paper, but on paper it still says this is a team that could draft a quarterback. And from Will Levis's point of view, this is where I would want to see him most because the, it's also a good offensive line. It's not a great offensive line. I like Carolina and Detroit better, um, but but it's good. It's got those pieces all intact, and that's just the right supporting cast, I think, for that guy for his flaws um, and, and would kind of cover up a lot of his, a lot of his mistakes. And then qu- quickly I'll say it. If Levis were, for whatever reason, thrust into the starting lineup immediately, just say it's, you know, Taylor Heineke has had injury history. Ritter may or may not be injured, right? Just say it's like a nightmare scenario in Atlanta and they have to play Levis. NFC South, not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not going to, he's probably not going to win many games, but there are worse scenarios that he could be going into. He could go to Vegas where, if he is thrusted into the starting lineup because Jimmy G gets injured all the time to where he's facing a number one defense in the Broncos, he's going up against Patrick Mahomes and he's going up against LA with Justin Herbert and that improved defense, or hopefully by the end of the draft, it'll be an improved defense. Like that's not a good scenario. If he's in Atlanta, at least he has some chance at winning those games. Whereas if he was in, in, in Vegas, he would not really. All right, those are the four presumptive first-round pick quarterbacks and their best fits. Um, I had uh, Bryce Young to Detroit, C.J. Stroud to Carolina, Anthony Richardson to Seattle, Will Levis to Atlanta. Robertson had Bryce Young to Carolina, C.J. Stroud to Detroit, Anthony Richardson also Seattle, although he's saying at pick 20, and Will Levis (laughs) to the Raiders, although he's saying uh, in the second round. We'll just call those picks five and seven uh just to keep things clean here yeah. all first round top 10 guys we're all very excited about that um and all the fans should be as well uh so congratulations everybody let's just take a minute here do you think there's anybody else that could sneak into the first round uh of this draft robertson um the only other guy that has a chance of doing so is hendon hooker and we've he- been hearing a lot of buzz where you know hendon hooker is number three on some people's boards you know, or a lot of teams have a first-round grade on him. His agent is either a mastermind and really good at his job, or it's real. Um, now, is he a top 10, a top 20? I don't think so. But if it only takes one, and if you're in love with a quarterback, it's the most pos- important position in football, you have to pull the trigger. But again, it comes into the value proposition where – did we reach for this guy? Probably if you're taking him at like 17, 18, 19. Um, and now if you're taking him at like 27, 28 and in the low thirties, yeah, that's understandable. You're getting the fifth year option to it and you're training with a team to get that fifth year option. You know, you're not training up 15, 20 spots. I mean, if you're trying to get back into the first round, that's a little bit different. A uh, mm-hmm. team that could do that depending on Lamar's situation, maybe Baltimore, if, mm-hmm. if they, if they cut loose um, with, with Jackson, um, that could be a 
draft day thing, even though I don't really see that happening because a lot of things would have to happen for that to happen. Um, but I wouldn't count out Baltimore. Um, I think a team like Washington, if they are sold on him, it doesn't make sense. Like from the way that we're constructing our roster, like based on like, okay, we're all in on Sam Howell and we have Jacoby Brissett. Like we're going to let these two duke it out for the number one spot. And then you draft Hedden Hooker, which even if the medicals don't check out that he's available for this year, still doesn't make sense because if you're trading back into the first round or even if you trade back from 16 to bottom half of the first round, then you're really not <laughs> believing what you're saying that we've been saying for the past four or five months. So, but those two teams, in my opinion, make the most sense for where he is. You drop a quarterback in Washington that's even semi-competent and they're a 10-win team, mm-hmm. essentially. And and I'm not being a homer. I just really think that's what it is. We went, we won eight games last year with a worse schedule than we're getting this upcoming year. And um, with Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz as our quarterbacks. And I love Heineke, but you look at the stats, he's like bottom, bottom quarterback statistically. A brief aside, I'm so excited to be excited about Washington again. As as you know, and as listeners of the podcast know, I'm commanders adjacent. Being from Virginia, I have a lot of very important people in my life, Robertson included, who love this team. And they make me more mad than any team in the NFL just because they disappoint these people every single year. So congratulations on the sale. Way to go. Um, looking forward to it. Very excited to see what this team does moving forward. So, yes, I'm a good quarterback there. It would be great. Um Baltimore is also interesting. The other teams we could talk about, you know, Minnesota is kind of where some of this stuff started. I don't see them doing that at 23. I really see them trading back. Um, but if they were to stay in the first round or maybe even, you know, Hendon Hooker falls to the second round, that's also who I have. Hendon Hooker that could make his way into the first round. Um, if my if Minnesota was able to trade back um, and, and accumulate more picks to, to fill some of their actual holes, I could see them doing that. A couple teams at the beginning of the second round that I could see gathering some assets and, and get back up into the first round. I mean, how about the Colts, right? If the th- let's say three quarterbacks go one, two, three, uh, Richardson, Shroud, and, and Young, and then Levis is sitting there at four, and let's say they don't love Levis, which, you know, we don't, understandable. Um, and let's, you know, they're like, man, Will Anderson's sitting there, man. That would be pretty great. <laughs> and and uh, they just take Will or Will Anderson. And, and this has been out there that this could be the case for them. Um, do they take 35? And I think I said their fourth round pick, 103, 105, something like that. And maybe go to Philly at 30 or, or someone and take Kenan Hooker there. They could. I mean, he kind of splits the difference, right? He, he is a rookie quarterback, which they haven't done in a long time, but he's like 30 years old. So he's essentially also a short-term rental veteran, which is what they love to do. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Um, you know, you let Gardner Minshew start for however many games Hooker needs, you know, we're coming from the ACL and maybe it's even all season. And then, you know, you have another good draft pick next year. And if you're not a hundred percent on Hooker, then maybe you still get, you know, one of those top guys next year. There, there's a lot there. Um, one team, as I was scrolling through, you know, the Rams are sitting there at 36, and they've said, you know, hey, Matt Stafford's going to stick around and usher us into the new era. Could 36 and one of, you know, two of those million day three picks that they have 
turn into, you know, a trade up to 30 or, or whatever. Let me, let me pull up those picks again. And uh, Ronan, if you're listening, man, sorry, I'm sure you're not very excited about this. Ronan is fully on the um tank for Caleb Williams train, but they have three picks in the fifth round, three picks in the sixth round, two picks in the seventh round. Take three of those picks in 36 and go, go to 30 or something like that. Um, so yeah, th- those are, those are a couple teams, but you know, Hen and Hooker, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I want to roll through a couple of the teams we didn't mention. I think that'll be pretty interesting. So I could just give you each of the teams and, and why I didn't have them in. And then if you have any additional thoughts, you, you can hit them. But this is how we'll wrap things up for the evening. First team I had, and I was this was the team I was most interested to see if you would have because they do currently have the second overall pick in the draft, and it's the Houston Texans. I didn't have them. The, the, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was they don't have enough help in the wide receiver room right now. You know, when, when the big free agency move is go get Robert Woods after he gets cut from Tennessee and they give him a multi-year contract, right? Like they give him a real contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Woods, but if that's your move after trading Brandon Cooks away, um, I don't love, you know, and they did get Dalton Schultz, which is nice, but I just don't love the targets that that quarterback would have. Also, the defense is still very much up in the air. So you're talking about someone who's going to be playing from behind a lot probably and is not getting the help on the defensive side that, that, a good rookie situation would have and the franchise itself is just a huge question mark the way they operate and the the way their general manager operates and um obviously i think to be ryan's is going to be great but it is going to be a, a rookie head coach in his first year what's that going to be like so houston while i'm 90 percent sure they're taking one of these quarterbacks i don't think it's necessarily the best fit for any of them did you have anything on houston why why specifically with that team why didn't you pick them um one, I'm in the minority here. I like Davis Mills. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm with you. I think he's fine. I think he's I fine. I don't think he's going to be like a a top five quarterback in this league. But to me, like his ceiling is like in that Eli Manning, Derek Carr kind of range where like he's not as flashy like with the the talent, but he's serviceable enough or like that Jimmy G range where like. This guy could get to a point where he can win you games. He has, I think, talent. I mean, you know, we he was like third or fourth quarterback ranked like when he was coming out, whenever that was, like 2020, I think. He was like third or fourth quarterback that was on, was on the board. Um, you know, he, he was reasonably productive at Stanford. He's been reasonably productive um, mm-hmm. in Houston, but I would like to think if he was on a, a half-decent team that he'd be – doing pretty well i think eli manning is like a good comp in terms of like ceiling not obviously not two super bowls but like that kind of production mm-hmm. is is what i'm trying to get at um i, I i'm fine if i'm Demico ryan's i'm fine if i don't get the quarterback that i want if i'm not in, absolutely in love with young or stroud whoever ends up being there at two i'm not taking richardson i'm not taking levis and i'm not taking either the one that I'm not in love with. Yeah. I'm at best I'm trading back or I take Will Anderson and I get a stalwart defensive guy that's going to be a cornerstone of our franchise for the next at least the next five years and hopefully ten. And he's a defensive guy. So he how how is he not going to love one mm-hmm. of these guys? And I understand you need a quarterback to win in this league. The AFC, you're not doing anything in the AFC this yeah. year. Sorry, sorry man. Like punt punt it for next year. I mean you're already doing it anyway. Even if you get Young or Stroud, that doesn't improve your chances to do anything. Like you're still at 0.01% of even being in the wild card 
or even being in the running for the walk. And I understand it's the NFL, anything can happen, but that doesn't improve your chances. Does Bryce Young or CJ Starr improve your chances versus Davis Mills? Slightly, but I mean, we're talking like minuscule. Yeah. So I'm, I'm punting. I would be more interested in taking Anderson and then Hooker in the second round. To me, that would be the move, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you could still have Mills there until Hooker's healthy and or, or until he's ready, and then you can send him out there, and then you're not really tied to him. He's a second-round pick. And then next year you can get a, a guy that you're, st- you're still going to be picking high. So it's fine. Uh, that's the reason I didn't pick, uh, pick the Texans for any of these destinations because I don't think that they should take a quarterback at two. Yeah, I, I'm actually – I, I think I'm actually a little further down on Davis Mills than you, so you're right. Maybe no one is this high, but I, I'm. I thought I was more high on than most people. I was so mad when they went to this like two quarterback thing with Jeff Driscoll last year. I was yeah. every week that that was happening, complaining on the Phantom Football Podcast about it. I, I like Davis Mills. I think he's fine. I'm totally fine if they want to go with another quarterback. I don't think he's a can't draft another quarterback, but I also agree if you don't love the guy. Just start Davis Mills. It, it'll it'll be fine. You're, you're either way. You're not getting above even second in your own division. So just you know whatever. You'll be fine. And um, I I compared him to Eli Manning because Eli Manning led the league in interceptions three different seasons. Yeah, <laughs> everyone uh, likes uh, to ignore those those stats. <laughs> statistics interceptions. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. We we kind of touched on. Um, organization is just desperate uh Ursay is is tweeting like crazy um the offensive line needs help jonathan taylor and and his health and it's just not the organization i i really want to go to right now because i joked earlier about it but because of all the one-year quarterbacks all the veteran quarterbacks they brought in because they're still obviously hurting from andrew luck retiring there's arguably more on the shoulders of whatever quarterback goes here and whoever goes one, two, or three, you know, to the whatever franchises those might be, the Colts are the one that if you're almost like anointed as this guy, and there's so much pressure on you um, to go to the Colts. So I, it's not fair to to put anybody there. I didn't love that, and I'll give you one more before I kick it to you. The the Tennessee Titans, um, team at eleven, team currently in the rumors of going up to number three. The roster is just in shambles. The offensive line and wide receiver rooms are bad. The team just came out of a huge power struggle and we seemingly didn't come out of it really knowing what what has changed. You know, you kind of thought my whole thinking was, um, okay, Mike Vrabel won. He's the coach. That means he's seeing the win now vision, whereas John Robbins, John Robinson was seeing the the plan for the future vision. And so they're gonna be win now. So they're gonna add, add, add. Nope, they just like cut a bunch of guys anyways and uh, but not all the guys. Tannehill's still there. Henry's still there. They they extend Jeffrey Simmons. Kevin Fire's still there, even though they want him to take a pay cut. So it's just a lot of weirdness and messiness is happening. So both of those teams, the Colts and the Titans, I don't love from a, where the organization is currently at. Uh, anything on those two teams for you? Um, I, I wonder if did Vrabel really win, though, is, is I guess my question. Because... I call keeping his job winning. <laughs> I'm look th- that sounds great on the surface but if Rabel was fired for example like if he was fired he would have been scooped up immediately he would have been the mm-hmm. top coach on the market right I mean mm-hmm. outside of maybe be enemy but even then he ended up with a offensive coordinator position but regardless like he he would have been the top coach he would have been hired immediately 
I don't I agree with you. I don't like the roster in Tennessee. They they would that's another team that would benefit from re, from a rebuild. I think the Vikings would benefit from a rebuild. I think the Titans would benefit from a rebuild. There's a lot of different teams that that I think Vrabel's kind of stuck. Like we have a half decent quarterback. We have maybe the best running back of this generation. That's about it. You know, like we, we have a good defense, but it's getting old, it's getting expensive, and especially in the AFC, defense does not win. Um, that doesn't win that wins you a couple of games, but that's not gonna get you anywhere in terms of winning divisions, even in the South, or definitely winning pe- playoff games. It's just not gonna get you anywhere with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson when he finally returns, those kind of guys. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last two teams I had here, uh, Washington Commanders, you know, you, you kind of hinted at just the transition and ownership just doesn't feel like the right time to to add a, a real high level quarterback or high high draft pick quarterback right now. Um, we've talked about it over the offseason. Just whatever, man, just roll out Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett for, <laughs> yeah. for the year before earlier. It was, it was Howell and Heineke. Just roll them out and and get through this transition and, and look again next year. Uh, and then Tampa, same thing, right? A, a little yeah. similar to Tennessee and, and uh, really just Tennessee, but you you know that the rebuild and transition are happening at some point. This offensive line needs help. The offense as a, as a whole, the way it played was a mess last year. Um, it seems like, you know, they're saying, oh, it's a retool, it's a retool, Baker Mayfield, yada, yada. You don't want to go here because uh, you could make an argument that if you drop a good rookie in to this team this season, um, you know, we've we've said it, the NFC South is kind of open. You know, you could do some things. But in reality, what's going to happen, no matter who the quarterback is this year, this offense probably isn't going to end up being very good. The defense is, you talk about old and expensive, that's this defense. Um Todd Bowles as a head coach, knows track record, uh, didn't go well last year, the way everything kind of just played out over the course of the season. Um, I don't know if a rookie, especially one that they could get from 19, survives whatever transition is happening in the next, you know, year or so. Um, so that this definitely wouldn't be the other, the other good team to go to. And those were really all the teams that I I had considered going going as far down as 19. Um, but anything for you on, on Washington or, or Tampa? Washington, like, new ownership could come in and say, hey, you know what? You football guys, you're leaving after this year anyway. I'm going to do what I want to do now, which is going to rub some of our fans the wrong way because that's what Dan Snyder did. Uh, when he first came in, he said, yeah, you guys aren't staying, so I'm going to do what I want to do. But I, I hate to say it, but it would almost be beneficial for that to happen because then you're – just executing your vision on what you want as an owner sooner rather than later. And it can't get much worse here. So what's, what's the harm in it? You know, it, it, it can't get worse. And that is the God honest truth. So I'd be fine with that happened. Is it happening? Probably not. Um, But, and then Tampa Bay, like I, I, I said, one of the, one of those guys could fall. I think I said Levis could fall there mm-hmm. and it'd be okay because Baker's there and there'd be no pressure on them. But the rest of the team is a mess. And they would benefit from rebuild. And now is not the time to drop a rookie rookie yeah. in there and spend a first round pick. You want to spend that first rounder on defense or on a receiver, even if you want to if you really think that you can be competitive this year in the South, or 
just draft some offensive line to get some some depth there. Like they have good starters, but uh, the interior needs some work. You you got to replace Donovan Smith if they haven't already. I don't know if they have yet or mm-hmm. not. Nope. So you have to replace him uh, at twenty. You're in a good spot to do so. I would rather do that than take a quarterback. And yeah, I just think that that's another team that needs that needs a rebuild. Yep. So those are the teams that uh would not be a good fit for. So yeah, go get some go get some linemen. Go get a, another cornerback. You you guys, I, we know Houston, you won't. But everybody else, just just take a seat, sit this one out. Uh, let these quarterbacks go somewhere where they can flourish, and then that way, when it comes time to do quarterback rankings, they're all on a positive footing for me and Robertson to talk about, which we'll we'll get into, I'm sure, later on as we get closer to the season. Um, Robertson, this was awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Any any closing thoughts for you on, on these quarterbacks or anything else before the draft? Uh, no. Um, just kind of you know, just I'm having fun doing all of these mocks. You know, I'm ha- I'm having fun. I'm I'm not a mock drafter really. I'm one of these guys. It's like you know what, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. It's not really that big of a deal. But I love the the analytic the analytic part of it, where it's like, okay, this team could do this. Like pretty much what we did tonight with the quarterback. It's like, oh, what what is this team gonna do? What's that team gonna do? It's it's a lot of fun for me. So I wasn't. I'm turning into one of those mock draft guys. The draft is always fun. We are a week out. I need to find time in my schedule for my uh yearly draft day uh rewatch just a great movie just just oh my gosh i love it i love it so much um have some pancakes with it pancake eating mother effort uh (laughs) robinson fire bots on favorite everybody please make sure you are listening to odds on favorite every single week um you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts uh make sure you're following them on twitter rate review uh let robertson know we appreciate him coming on robertson thank you so much man thanks for having me always fun time Got it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you are back next week. We are continuing with draft content. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a fun episode planned for that as well. So thank you so much. Have fun and be safe out there.